Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Well, I'm not sure about you, but growing up, I had a lot of, I, I tend to be extremely, extremely clumsy. Anybody in here? Two of you? That's great. Most of you are probably clumsy, but you're too afraid to admit it. But for me, I always did something that, you know, I'd go to school and something, either my hat was not put on right or my jacket was not right. And, you know, it's so easy to kind of look at somebody else and say, hey, there's something on your face, right? Like it's so easy to, to see that, uh, you know, the, uh, maybe their clothing is not right or something's on their face or whatever. It's so easy to see it. But when it's on you, you might go half a day without noticing. You know, like you can go half a day with some uh, <clears throat> paper from, you know, the bathroom hanging, you know, in the back. Or you might, have, you might go half a day with having toothpaste on your, on your face. And unless you have some really good friends, you might not know that. Well, it just so happened to me that I went to school and everyone was kind of looking at me and smiling and smirking. And, and I was just like, you know, the, the initial reaction that you have to those things, especially if someone just kind of like, kind of suspiciously smiles at you, you tend to kind of like, okay, what's on my face? Is something wrong with me? What's going on? Is something open? Is something, like, do I have to fix something on my clothing? And uh, I remember I went to school and everyone's just kind of looking at me funny and I'm just like, what's going on? And then my best friend walks up to me and says, dude, wipe off the toothpaste on your cheek. I had like some toothpaste left on, on, on my face. And I think only people that really care about you, right, will tell you these things. Where I mean, you've probably been part of, uh, maybe you're at someone's house and somebody's talking to you and they have something in their teeth. And you're like, uh, uh, uh. you know, you try nonchalantly telling them that there's something on, on their teeth where something's not right. I, 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 to me, it happens when I'm at church and I always sit in front. And then, you know, if, if you have a, someone that just kind of played, um, you know, not to name names or something, you know, but like someone just played in worship and maybe their like earpiece is hanging on the floor and they're saying something powerful, but everyone's just like, uh, don't step, don't, you know, because they see it. You don't, right? So to prevent those things, it's amazing that we live in this century and we have what's, well, not just century, this century, they had them before, but we have what's called a mirror. <laughs> I'm so glad that most of us, I guarantee every single one of you, including myself, before you came here, you looked in the mirror. You wanna make sure that there's nothing on your face, everything looks good. And most, most people, they have a full height mirror to make sure that everything looks good, right? I mean, and we'll be late to events just to make sure that we spend enough time making sure that everything's is good with us. You know, we'll be 30 or, even if you have an extra hour of sleep, you still be late to church because you're, you're fixing things in the mirror, right? Like I will, you know, somebody's like, no, I don't do that. I know people do that. <laughs> and like a lot of times you'll be late, but you wanna make sure there's nothing. I think nothing really ruins your day like you were getting ready for this event and you woke up with like either a pimple or a zit on your face. And you've become so aware of that one thing, right? You're like, I just, oh, why this, this today? And uh, if you're a girl, you might put some makeup on. If you're a guy, you might do the same thing. I'm just saying. But some guys are like, no, I don't do that. Yeah, but the point here is we try to cover up anything that we're, 
any blemish, right? Anything that doesn't look right, you know? You have it right here. I'm just going to put my, my hair this way. Even though you never did your hair like that, you'll cover it. Because we want to put our best foot forward. We want to make sure that when we meet a person, they, you know, we look presentable. You know, and there's the occasional people that just don't care what they look like, right? Like they wake up and their hair is like this. And, you know, but for the most part, people, we want to make sure that we look good. That we make sure that all the blemishes are taken care of, right? Everything that we have, I mean, everything that we, we do is a lot of times we do that. I remember one particular time we went to a cabin and this was before I was a Christian, so don't judge me, but um, for, I didn't say anything. That's, that's the problem. But there was this friend that... No matter what you would do, you could not wake him up. Um, so people would just make fun of them and they would write on their face. And it just so happens that one night somebody came in and with a Sharpie wrote loser on their forehead. They woke up and walked down the street, I'm down the street, down the, the stairs. And everyone starts to, you know, you know, everyone starts laughing. And obviously they didn't know what's going on. They go to the mirror and they see this loser written across the forehead so to make a joke right you know they come they come into the living room they're like well at least i can spell loser forwards and we're like what it's like you guys spell loser backwards on my on my head well she looked in the mirror right and like she would see loser but she would see the back kind of like the back side of it i don't know how to explain it right and she's like at least i don't spell loser backwards and i'm like no it's spelled right it's it's spelled right it's just you see, the way the, work, uh, the mirror works is you kind of get, you know, a different side of you too. You know, it's not, you know, you. Only the person right next to you can actually see who you really look like right now. Right? Like the mirror, even that, kind of flips your image. So I, I say this to say that a lot of times we, are get, we get a lot, a lot of us get bothered by things like this, like little blemishes, right? Like little things on our face. But what if we took the same approach when it took to our spiritual lives? Because you see, if, if you are eating junk food, that could, and it often does happen where it shows up on your face. Like a lot of people, they, they, if they eat junk food, they will get a breakout on their face. But you see, when we eat bad spiritual food, it actually is displayed on our hearts. So maybe our face may be an indication of, of the stuff that we ate, like physical food. But when it comes to our heart, is a reflection of what we've been eating spiritually. Have we been eating toxic food? Have we been eating, you know, garbage food? Or have we been eating healthy food? Back in um, about 250 years ago, Queen Elizabeth they, they had this kind of society, they kind of, uh, they, you know, the oldest royal society. Uh, the, the modern time, uh, the, um, the modern thing to do at that time was to make sure that every single one, every single person looks pale. So that was kind of like, you know, people would put different kind of makeup on just to have their faces not look red, but look very pale. And that was a culture uh, trend, that was a fashion statement, you could say. So a lot of people, that's what they would do, is they would put, you know, a lot of makeup on to look pale. It just so happens that Queen Elizabeth, she would put a lot of it on, and it just so happens also that in that makeup, there was a lot of lead. So she started to break out. And then she would put even more makeup, 
on the face to cover that and she would get even more things on her face and it, it became she became so kind of I don't want to say ugly because you know that's a such a loaded term but I'm saying like she had so much stuff on her face that she broke every single mirror in the house because she couldn't stand the way she looked and history says that she actually died of lead poisoning so what supposed to make her beautiful actually ended up killing her it made her really not really not good looking really ugly if I could use that word what was meant to what was meant to bring beauty actually was a deception it was a trick it actually killed her there's a novel that was written at the beginning of of this century uh, by very a very very wicked uh, guy his name is uh, Oscar Wilde and he wrote this novel called Dorian Gray and it, the novel is about a young young guy who is really good looking and you know he is getting his portrait painted and as he's getting his por portrait painted there's this philosopher that's sitting right next to him and says well you know you might as well enjoy your life because guess what your looks will fade so go have your fill of all the pleasures that you want but be careful that every single thing that you indulge yourself in it will reflect on you and you will see how ears progress you know gravity will take its toll on your face and a lot of the things that you do will have an effect on you we see it all the time even today right people you know smoke where they they use um drugs and then they lose their teeth where that breaks on, on their face because that's toxic to their to their body so this novel says that you know this philosopher says well just enjoy anything you want because right now you're good looking one day you won't be so just go have your fill and he does that but before he does he looks at the portrait he says well i would sell my soul if whatever's supposed to happen to my face it happens to this portrait instead of me and obviously this is a novel this is a fictional story to illustrate a bigger point and it just so happens that every single sin that he does there's no wrinkles on his face there's no, nothing that you know he overindulges in food and uh toxic food and toxic toxic uh toxic relationships and none of that is having an effect on him but it's having an effect on that portrait so he takes the pro portrait and he hides it upstairs in this room uh, that nobody really goes in and from time to time he would go and peel you know the cover of the portrait and he would look at at his own picture and now like every single time he would do something you know sinful or bad or he would eat something bad he would show up on this portrait and as the years progressed he would not change but he he would go up, up uh, he would go upstairs and he pulled the curtain and he would see this this horrible creature of what he used to be his portrait and and this you know when people asked oscar wilde why what's this novel about in essence, what he's saying is, well, this is my life and that, you know, that portrait is a picture of my heart. Even though the things that I was doing in my life didn't really affect me as much as, as but it affected my soul. And that is a picture of, you know, my soul, you could call that my heart. And that picture is that. Inside, I was a horrible creature. Have you thought about that? What would, what would you do? If every single sin that we did, or every single sinful thing that we had reflected on your face, you probably will not sin as much. 
Well, what if every single thought that we have is displayed on a huge screen that we can actually physically see? Things would really change. But you see, what we do, what we think about, it does reflect on a big screen. It does reflect on our soul. It does reflect on our heart. And with every single thought, with with every single toxic food that we intake, with every even garbage piece of garbage that we, we take in through our portals. What are our portals? Our, you know, uh, Bob Sorge uh, talked about the, the portal, which is, are the eyes. And he talked about making a covenant with your eyes so you don't look on things. Because, you know, you know there's this, this saying that our eyes are the, you know, the gateway of our soul. But every single thing that we do, right, like we, when we touch things, right, that's a way of connection. When we smell things, that's a way of connection. So all these five senses that we have, they're all portals. And a lot of people, they go to, they go to for example, to, to fight in some war in Afghanistan or Iraq or Iran or not Iran, but like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, like Middle East or uh, whatever place there's a war. They go there and they see some horrible atrocities and because they they were in that moment and they felt and they smelt it and they touched it and they, you know, that has an impact on their psyche. And a lot of people coming back, they have what's called a post-traumatic stress disorder. Their, their, you know, their, their mind was so stressed where it was such a, such a crazy experience that it affected them psychologically. Okay, maybe some of the movies that we watch, they don't fully submerse you in that experience because movies that we watch, they usually, you know, affect your, 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 your eyes and your hearing, right? Maybe you don't smell the, the, you know, what we see on the screen, but it affects you. Every single thing that we see on our computer screens or our uh, laptops, on our, you know, iPads or our phones, all those things, they you are taking them in regardless if they're through the five senses or one sense you're still that still you cannot say that somehow yeah i can do i can watch whatever i watch i can smell whatever i smell i can and it doesn't affect me it will affect you it will affect your soul so because you see one thing that we see an idea gets lodged into our head right and it becomes a thought and this, that thought becomes a word, and then that word becomes a deed. And that those deeds combines or things combine that you do, they develop a character. Well, rather, before that, it develops a habit, and then it develops a character. And then it's a lifestyle of godliness or a lifestyle of brokenness. So, so it is important what we see and what we think about. It's important what we allow ourselves, where we allow ourselves to go. Now, a lot of times thoughts fly into your head. Not all your thoughts that you have are yours. The very fact that a lot of times you're kind of like, why am I thinking about, about that? Well, that very fact tells you that that was not your thought that was implanted in you by the enemy. But Reinhard Bonke says that like, you know, thoughts are like birds. They can fly over your head, but it's up to you if you allow them to, you know, build a nest on your head, right? Thoughts can come into your head, but it's up to you if you allow these thoughts to become actions. So a lot of times, you know, there will be a lot of things that you think about that might not be yours. And this is where you have to reject them and say, and declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ over these thoughts. 
There's going to be a lot of, I remember when I, I was growing up and I had all these thoughts that I didn't know what to deal with and I would just memorize scripture, right? And I would just declare scripture over, every time I felt weak, I, I would say, you know, I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. And then every single time I felt like, you know, I have no future. I declare, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 that says that, for I know the plans I have for you. Don't accept every single thought that comes in. Next thing is, you might not have control of the thoughts that fly into you, right, into your head, but you have control where you physically place yourself in, right? Like, you are here today. You placed yourself physically in a place where you can worship and where you can listen to the word of God. But you could be at some club and do ungodly things. So you might not have a certain, like a level of control of what's flying into your head, but you have, what, what are you going to place yourself in? If you, you know, choose to go see a R-rated movie in this theater, then you chose that. You have, you had a conscious decision to make and you decided that you would want to spend your time watching this. A lot of, a, a lot of it's toxic, a lot of it's garbage. Now, not all movies are garbage. Please understand me here. There are powerful movies that inspire me. And, but, but when you see filth and you're okay with that, well, you might not have a lot of control a lot of times because when we talk about our mind, right, it's kind of like very vague. But you know what? You can definitely get up and walk out. I've done it a few different times in theaters where I went to a PG-13 movie and then something came on the screen. I'm like, I'm out. Later. And I just walk out. And it's interesting that when we, when we're talking about the enemy, the Bible tells us to resist the enemy and he'll flee, right? But when we talk about sexual kind of like, you know, sin, the Bible says flee, run. It doesn't tell you, oh yeah, just stay and resist it. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay here, but like I'm just going to, nope, no thank you. No, that, that's not what he says. It says get up, leave. That's not just that. It's also thoughts of, uh, you know, destructive thoughts when it comes to who we are. And somebody says something about you and you just cannot let it go. God has to renew our mind. Romans 12 one says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect will. Going back to what I mentioned earlier, the mirror shows a reflection of who you are physically. The word of God is a reflection. It gives us a reflection who we are spiritually. We come to the word of God and God says, this is your sin. He brings conviction and he says, this is your sin. And it can be extremely depressing. Now hang with me on this one. You come and you look at the perfect law of God and say, I'm not, I'm not fulfilling this. My current lifestyle does not match to this. And in this moment, you have a choice to make. 
you either going to be motivated by what people say about, about you or what God says about you. You're going to either hide yourself from God and from people. You're going to have to make some decision here because when you come to the word of God and you start seeing the blemishes of our sin, right? Like you look, okay, I'm falling. You, you're very aware of the sin in your life. God is bringing it up through, through his word, right? Like he says, this is what you look like. And it can be a very depressing thing where you come and you're like, wow, I'm not fulfilling what God has called me to do. I, I'm living a sinful lifestyle. And you know what people do? I'm going to just try to cover it up. You see, because if you are really motivated by the fear of God, there's nothing you can do to cover yourself up. So you have to deal with the things that are in you. But if you are motivated by the fear of man, well, you can do something about that. Namely, you can cover yourself up. So a lot of people, they live a sinful lifestyle and their, their approach, there's kind of like three different people that can maybe put in three different categories. Uh, the first person says, okay, I know I'm sinful and therefore no one needs to find out. You know, like, what will people say? You, you know, that, that kind of like mentality. They're like, you, you, you just, could you, I, yeah, I told you about this, but could you not tell anyone? And I know maybe you have reasons for doing that, but a lot of times we do that. We, we complain, and we can, some, 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 a person that does this, they cover themselves up, right? And they're never really home. What I mean by that is, it, there's this, this picture in the Old Testament is people cover their face with a veil, right? And they would just have their eyes just to see where they're going. And you could do that. You could say, you know what? I will not have close relationships because if people know who I really am, if I show my face, they will be kind of scared and run away. Like Just like Dorian Gray, where, where he'd go to his picture and he would look at the, uh, the, uh, the horrible thing that he would see right now, right? And he, would, he wanted to keep it covered, but know the problem with this, the problem with this, if you don't, if you don't know how to uncover, if you, if you don't know how to live your life outside of secrets, right? Like if you are a secretive person, you will never genuinely have relationships that are, are authentic. Why? Because you'll know that what they see is just a veil. And if they really saw you, would they still accept you? That's the consequence of covering yourself up. And some people might say, oh, well, um, that's way too extreme for me. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take a mask and put it on my face. So people still think that I have a face. Because that's kind of like the, the next thing. Okay, well, I don't, a veil is maybe too extreme. And people are like, okay, what's wrong with you? But uh, so, so you have this other form of people where, where they will come and they put a worship mask on in church and be like, Lord Jesus Yes, and they're like the best person in church, but they don't go to Alkai, they go with their friends and they can completely remove that mask and they put a completely mask, a different mask on and now they're the joker. Now they're the, the guy who has the best pervert jokes and all that stuff. But the problem with this too is that nobody would really know who you really are because the people at church will think you're the worshiper and the people at Alkai will think you're the, this guy and every, you know, it's... Back in the days, they called them hypocrites and actors. And then you have the church people. For the most church people, um, the veil is too extreme. You have to be, you know, vulnerable with people to, for them to know you. And because you're on so, such a close practice, if the first person, they wouldn't even go to church because they completely don't want to have anything to do. The, 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 the third person is, is the person that comes here and they're somewhat vulnerable and they don't wear a mask but they have a lot of blemishes and they pull a lot of makeup on. Now, disclaimer here, girls, this is not about a physical kind of makeup, okay? Just, just 
bear with me here for a second. They see a blemish, they, they cover everything with, with and, and instead of actually dealing with, okay, the diet that I'm taking in is what's causing this. Now, I understand there's, there's certain things that can cause that. It's not just a diet. It could be a virus. It could be a lot of cold sores. It could be, but what, what I'm talking about is, is instead of dealing with the source of the problem, we just put makeup on it, which a lot of times, you know, there's, I don't know, girls, maybe you know, maybe there is healthy makeup, but a lot of times it could actually, the makeup could actually cause an infection. So instead of dealing with the root cause, we just cover it up. So when it comes to spiritual life, instead of dealing with what caused that blemish in our life, instead of coming to the cross and saying, Lord, this is my heart. This is my spiritual face. Would you deal with this? And Lord, can you help me take on spiritual food that's healthy and it will not cause this? Instead of doing that, we just cover it up because it's way easier to do that than deal with all this other stuff, right? Like, you know, making sure that we are diligent in how we spend our time and where we, what we watch and what we hear and what we listen to and so on and so forth, right? And the problem with this is that still nobody will really truly know who you are. The problem with this is that nobody will truly know who you are. James 1 22 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourselves. For, you, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So James is saying like, if you are hearing what God is saying, if you are going to your small group or you come to church and you hear the word, where you are hearing the word in your devotion or reading the word in the devotion, you don't take that and apply it to your life daily. It's like a person seeing what they look like in the mirror and walking away and forgetting, forgetting what they looked like. The law of God was supposed to show us what we look like. And when we come to it, it's kind of painful. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, when somebody comes to you and you know it's actually God speaking through them saying, what you did, that was not godly. That was not, I don't, I hope that you repent. And you know that what you did is wrong. Those experiences are not pleasant. But you have a choice. Either you turn around, you walk away, and say, and we forget about the whole incident. We say, Lord, we need to deal with this. I think constantly I see this in my own life. And when I think, uh, there's no place in ministry ever that you feel like you've arrived. Every single day, you find new things, that old habits that don't die. And, and no matter how many times you feel like, you know, and always have to watch out for them. All things that are surfacing up that you have to constantly go to the cross and deal. Ugly things, pimples and, and all. We have to deal with this. We can't just let it go and say, well, that was a great experience looking in the mirror. Okay, well, if you come to the mirror and you see yourself, what's the hope in this? You know what the hope is? Is that when you come to the mirror, you see what you look like. And you become desperate on what you should look like. 
What if you've never seen what your face should really look like? It's been so long that you actually saw your real face. To a certain extent, all of us, right? When we, we fell with Adam, we truly never shaped what we were supposed to look like. We were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity and families that, for the most part, a lot of times were dysfunctional. And we don't really know what was that full intent of what God created us to be until we come to the law of God. God says, this is, I know that maybe you had some weird tendencies in your family. Maybe you had certain things in your family that like you thought are okay, but they're not. Let me tell you, this is what you should look like. This is what, you know, because you see, when you come to the law, the next thing, what God does is he shows you what you should look like. And that is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together with no picture? My roommates um, got this puzzle that's like a billion pieces under all of our house and they lost like half of them already. I don't know how they can put it together. But like, what if you actually, what if you actually had to put that puzzle together with no picture at all? Some people might do it. But I would say it's almost impossible. If you've lost some of them, then well, there goes that. If you, it's, but if you know what the picture should look like, you put everything that you have and try to find the pieces that are missing. If you have the picture, you know there's certain pieces that are missing. You need to find them. So when you look at your life and you wonder what kind of career I should go for, what kind of spouse should I marry, uh, which the Bible is very clear on that one. But like, um, if, if you have all these other choices, you don't really know which one do you exactly which one do you exactly have to, how, how, how are you supposed to put them together? Well, you look at the picture, which is Jesus Christ. And you start putting all the pieces of your life together based on who he is. I love this verse in, in 2 Corinthians. And it's such a powerful, powerful verse that has changed my life in so many ways. In 2 Corinthians uh, 3.16 says this, but whoever, but whenever rather, someone trusts the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit. And wherever the Lord, uh, the spirit is, uh, whatever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Listen to this. So all of us who had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The picture here is this, is that as we take our coverings off, be it our veils, masks, and makeup all, and we come before the Lord with our heart and saying, God, this is who I am. And the, 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 the law makes it very clear of who I am. But Jesus, who who we're supposed to be and as we behold his glory as we look unto him it changes us it transforms us from inside out we look at his glorious image and we become more and more like him every single day there's this powerful story in the old testament exodus 33 that i don't have time to read right now but you can go and look it up and it's just Moses, after he comes down the mountain and, and 
and they've built a calf made out of gold and Moses is extremely mad and he just breaks the commandments and he says, I was gone for this. What are you doing, Aaron? What are you doing? I don't know. We're just going to get the, the gold and we just threw it in the fire and this thing came out. Nah, Aaron, that's not how it works. You don't throw things in fire and the calf comes on. You don't, you don't do that. Aaron, I know how this happened. You guys planned this. And this calf came out. You guys shaped this calf, this idol that's not God. And, and, and Moses comes back to God. And he's completely distraught. And God says, get these people away from me. I'll make you into a great nation, but I want them destroyed. And Moses intercedes for the people and says, Lord, if you don't come with us, first of all, these are your people. But if your presence is not with us, don't send us. And he sort of convinces God, right? And God says, okay, well, I'll go with you. And Moses is like, are you? You're going to really go with us, Lord. And God says, okay, what do you want me to do? Moses, what do you want me to do? Have you, would you want God to give you a blank check like that? And I wonder, like, what could Moses could have said? Like, I don't know, maybe um, 747s. I know they don't exist now, but it'd be nice to just take these people and just move them right. Like, maybe air conditioning. That'd be great. Maybe build a couple mansions, swimming pool, water. But that's not what he says. He says, Lord, I want to see your presence. I want to see your glorious presence. You know, he, he crossed a threshold and you say, I don't, I don't care about all the things, all the blessings. I, I care about your presence. God says, okay, well, I'm going to put you in this cleft of a rock. And my goodness, you can't really look at me, but my goodness will pass over you. And as I pass, you'll be able to see the back of me. And, and as the, the, the presence of the Lord passed by, he, he saw the Lord from the back and he came down the mountain. And this time, he didn't break the commandments. This time, his face actually was shining so much that they had to put over a veil to cover it because it was, it was so impactful by that experience. I guess Moses maybe understood that, God, I can't do this on my own strength. God, I am desperate for your presence because I know in your presence things change. Because if I go down one more time with another Ten Commandments, I will break them again. So when you find yourself in ministry like giving up, when you're saying yourself that you feel like I've just sinned the night before and you have to be part of the worship team today, that is hard. When you have to minister, when you just see your life, when you have blemishes in your life, that's not easy. But you know what the answer is? In His presence. Coming to the cross and saying, God, this is who I am, but this is, I want to be like you. God, I want you to, be, to change me into your glorious image. God, I'm done with myself. I need you. I need you, Lord. I, I have no words. I, I, I got nowhere to go. And now, the last verse that I want to read is, is this, that we are commanded in 2 Corinthians 10, 3. And as we, you see, salvation is given to us for free, but, but this process of sanctification, when we look unto Jesus and we become like Him every single day, right? Like this is a good indicator to know how well you're doing with Jesus. Are you more like Christ today than you were yesterday? Are you more like Christ this year than you were the year before? That should be an indication of your walk with the Lord. And, and we have here in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says this, we are human, but we don't wage war uh, as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. 
We knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And every single time a, a, a thought goes astray, every single time you you saw something that you're not supposed to, you know, like every single time you, you've taken in some toxic food this is where you say God I am submitted to you would you come again would you restore me again would you allow your presence to come indwell me and completely open every single closet everything that I am God and Father I want to become more like you but this is who I am so I'm not sure how you find yourself today in the morning but we have 10 minutes left in this part of the service and I'm not going to ask you to come up front but if the Lord has spoken to your heart about a specific area in your life would you would you bring that before the Lord if you don't know the Lord then your life right now is just a, a mess it's a it's a billion puzzle pieces that you have to put together with no picture we have no idea what we were how we were created to be because we since we're birth we know what sin is and i look forward to that one day that i don't have to deal with with weird you know motivations and thoughts that fly into my head and and sins in my life and so on and so forth i look forward to that when god completely restores us and makes us just exactly like him we get to share in his glory i look forward to, but today today we're still here just now i got a facebook message of a friend of mine that passed away of cancer it was a preacher an amazing guy and i look at that and i'm like well at least for him the struggle is over but we are still going through this yeah we were given salvation for free and if you don't know the lord jesus christ i hope that today you make a decision and and if you do after this prayer would you would you let us know would you write on a connect card that i i made a decision to follow the lord jesus christ but if you've been going to church for a while and you're still kind of like covering everything in your life that's not really presentable I encourage you to go to the cross I encourage you to look at Jesus and say Lord this is I'm supposed to look like you take me transform me and as we as a church as a body right like all of us together as we see his glory how do you behold God's glory by seeing him move around us and lives being transformed you want to get passionate about ministry start seeing people getting delivered and seeing people saved as your co-workers preach the gospel and you start seeing that as we see as a church as we see be a south campus Kenmore this 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 campus as we see God moving there will be a transformation in all of us there will be a change in all of us you're so seeing that I guarantee you that so would you stand with me I'm going to invite the the team back on the stage but if this message is spoken to you I'm not going to call you up front but the two people I'm, I'm, I'm talking to here is people that have never made Lord Jesus Christ your Savior. I, enc I encourage you this morning to say, Lord, I, I completely want to come and surrender and, and, and surrender my thoughts and my life to, to your Lordship. God, I completely want to surrender to you. But if you're a church person here or maybe someone that have gone to church for a very long time and you still hide behind veils and masks and makeup and so on and so forth. I'm talking about spiritual things here. Like, as you, as you do that, that this is a time that you come in the law of the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I look like. Would you change me? And as we behold Jesus as a congregation, as every single one of us individually do that, you will see God change. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? 
Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.